from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. As always, we hope this finds you well. And we've reached the midpoint of the week. We've reached... Hump day! Yes, hump day. You're right. You're right. Uh, but that's a good thing because that means we're a day closer to more Saints football, which comes your way tomorrow night as the Saints visit the Miami Dolphins. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Producer Dan's alongside D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra. And you, whether you're listening on iTunes, on your mobile device, or perhaps through the New Orleans Saints app, or on your desktop at NewOrleansSaints.com, or at Pelicans.com. Had some good basketball stuff uh, earlier in the week with Lance Thomas. I think we're efforting and uh, should be successful in reaching Pelicans head coach Monty Williams uh, still this week. He is in Africa with Basketball Without Borders, and I think he will join us from across the way. Uh, so stay tuned for that, you know, those of you uh, who follow on the basketball side. Otherwise, today we take a look at a couple of different things. Uh, college football, uh, the conversation continues for us with the uh, season opening tomorrow and a lot of big games, including LSU's this weekend. Uh, we we kind of, I don't want to say we stumbled upon it, but we took a lot of time after seeing it initially with a three-part series done by the New York Times and the influence of ESPN, not only upon college football, primarily so, but maybe upon college athletics in general and then sports in general, what kind of an empire that's become. Richard Sandemir from the New York Times, one of the writers of that series, will be a part of our show today. It's very interesting stuff. I think you'll really like it, especially if you are intrigued by the business of sports. Uh, otherwise, Saints running back Kyrie Robinson on the program today. Kyrie is uh, had well, he's had a really good uh, training camp. The rookie out of West Texas A&M. It's a good visit in that we talk about his opportunity still to come tomorrow night against the Dolphins and what this fourth preseason game means to players like him. As you know, as you know, many of the principals won't play tomorrow night, but there's still work to be done, especially for groups of players like Robinson who have a dream of making an NFL 53-man roster. And so that dream is yet to be fulfilled, but tomorrow night could go a long way in fulfilling those hopes of some. And then we'll continue our coverage of Saints and Dolphins tomorrow by checking in with uh, Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald. He'll give us some of his takes of how this one looks from South Beach. And we'll also touch upon the fact that these two teams will play in the regular season not too far from now. Uh, that'll be September 30th at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So, interesting note on that. So, we've got a full show for you today. Uh, it is National Bowtie Day. Uh, as producer Dan pointed out to me today, I, I'm wearing a bow tie today. I didn't know it was National Bow Tie Day uh, until I arrived at work today. So, this all works out great. I, I, I seem like a pop culture uh, savant here. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the fold. Uh, what else? Oh, yes, uh, yes. I know a lot of you will get somewhat annoyed at this, but... We will mark this date in history. It was, we think, 51 years ago this week 
that the first radio advertisement ran. Did I get that right, Producer Dan? He, 90, oh, no, 91 years. Okay. I was close. Forty. Four decades off. Uh, 91 years ago. Now, we don't have the actual audio from that advertisement, but NPR has done some sort of recreation of what that might have sounded like. And, uh, well, I guess we could share it with you now. Friends, you owe it to yourself and your family to leave the congested city and enjoy what nature intended you to enjoy. Visit our new apartment homes in Hawthorne Court, Jackson Heights, where you may enjoy community life in a friendly environment. So that's a far cry from some of the uh, advertisements we hear now on radio or on these podcasts. And I know some of you uh, get on me a little bit about having uh, radio advertisements in this very podcast. But uh, as they say, it is of necessity in order to bring this to you uh, across the platforms that we do. So bear with us. We'll do our best. And, of course, we always thank our advertisers as well. So a full show for you again. We're going to start it off with uh, Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald. And then that'll be followed by Kyrie Robinson and then Richard Sandemir, the big, big piece uh, from the New York Times, which will be fantastic. Rob Nice will be in uh, this chair tomorrow. We hope that you enjoyed today's program. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Sean Kelly Live or at Black Blue Reports. Uh, either of those vehicles will uh, allow you to comment on the show or uh, give us a suggestion or ask a question. The radio at Pelican's email inbox is also open for you, too. More on the program, starting off with the Miami Herald folks, when we come back. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner? which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor, or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice. Actually, what you may like the most is, yes, we have a location near you, expertise and convenience, great reasons to choose an auctioner primary care physician. To find one near you, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints, we're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around, we got this. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today.
Great show for you today. We've got some uh, good guests lined up. Richard Sandemir from the New York Times will be with us later in the show, and we're going to check in with Saints running back Kyrie Robinson as uh, tomorrow night for him and for others trying to make that 53-man roster. The game against Miami is a big one, even though it is preseason game number four. Welcome back into the Black and Blue Report. We now welcome in, speaking of Miami, Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald as uh, we get set for Saints and Dolphins or Dolphins and Saints, however you want to look at it. Tomorrow night from Sun Life Stadium. First of all, good morning, Adam. Appreciate your time here on this uh, Wednesday morning. Of course, anytime. Give me the uh, give me the take right now, or at least what what Joe Philbin and the Dolphins are saying about preseason game number four. Well, not very much, to be honest. Uh, Joe Philbin's notoriously close to the vest when it comes to uh, giving out information. Uh, but gauging from last year's game, we probably won't see the starters very much, if at all. Uh, certainly on the offense last year, the, the first team offensive line didn't play. The skill positions didn't play, aside from Tannehill. And he was just a, you know, a rookie needing reps then. Uh, so if we do see them at all, it'll be a you know, dozen snaps at the most, and then they'll be gone. What's the forecast? This is a team that's 1-3 and three in the preseason. That doesn't matter. But last year's sub-500 record does matter to me. Can they be a winning team in 2013? Well, they better be if their uh, their general manager wants to keep his job. I mean, it's 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 a contract year for Jeff Ireland, uh, and they've had four straight losing seasons here after making the playoffs in 2008. Uh, another one won't be acceptable. So, yeah, they need at least 9-7, probably a playoff berth for him to stick around. Is there a savior waiting in the wings for his job? I mean, as far as did he make an offseason acquisition, or is there somebody in camp that's shown that can help get them moving in the right direction? Well, he's gone all in. I mean, they spent uh, over $100 million in guarantees and free agency. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, Mike Wallace is a guy you guys in New Orleans know very well. Um, that's the number one you know, addition. Uh, Brandon Gibson they brought in as well. Unfortunately, Dustin Keller they brought in to be their seam threat has gone down with a knee injury. But offensively, they've upgraded at the receiver positions. On the defensive side, their entire linebacking crew has been you know, made over. The Dallas now worked the inside after winning the Super Bowl in Baltimore. Uh, and Philip Wheeler comes over from, from Oakland. So that's a good group. And they've got Brent Grimes just coming off an Achilles in Atlanta. He seems to be 100%, and he's a difference maker in the back end. So they've made the moves. The question is, can they put it all together? Interesting, interesting. So these two teams will play tomorrow in a very vanilla preseason game in which, as you mentioned, and the same goes on the Saints side, the, uh, the, the primaries will not play. Or if they do play, it'll be a couple of snaps. Here, though, we find these two teams playing in the regular season at the end of September. Does that make this game better from, a, from an uh, interest standpoint or worse? Oh, I'd say worse because any kind of creativity we thought we'd see in a fourth preseason game is now completely out the window because I'm sure neither coach wants to tip their hand on anything. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm curious as to how the league can justify asking full price for this game because it's, uh, it's going to be tough on the eyes. When you, when you say that, and, and Miami is such a good football market too, this talk about changing the preseason, um, is it going to be too hard in your eyes to, to change it from its current four-game format? Sure. The, NFL, the, the owners don't want to give up the money, and the players don't want two more regular season games because of injuries. So uh, I think they're pretty much in a holding pattern right now, unless the league just unilaterally you know, flexes its muscles and tells the union this is how it's going to be. Uh, and, and, and believe me, we've seen that before from the NFL on a whole range of issues. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for the time being, though, uh, the outcry over adding two more regular season games, particularly with the, the concussion you know, uh, controversy that's going on, uh, I, I just don't see it in the immediate future. 
Uh, Adam, I want to go back to Mike Wallace for a moment, obviously, because of our listeners here in New Orleans. They're familiar with him. He's an O. Perry Walker High School guy uh, and, and a big piece of what the Dolphins hope to do this coming season. Can you kind of characterize what his last three, four weeks have been like? I read different things, and they, they sometimes they contradict themselves. So I'm anxious for your take on how his camp has gone. It's gotten better. He, uh, he started off slow, and then he hurt his groin. So he missed the preseason opener. Uh, and, you know, didn't didn't have a single ball thrown his way in the second preseason game. But over the last two three weeks, he's really come on. He had a huge impact in that uh, in the most recent game. Uh, you know, had you know, three catches for 58 yards and a touchdown on, on one drive alone. So that's what they're going to need from him. To be honest, last year teams were really crowding the box. They were uh, playing the Dolphins in a 15 yard window. Their passing game, you know, not thinking anyone could beat them over the top. Mike Wallace changes that, and he's going to open things up for both, you know, Brian Hartline, uh, Brandon Gibson, but also the running game because you can't be so heavy in the box anymore. Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald, our guest. Last question for me, Adam, is this. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at the start of the regular season since tomorrow night doesn't seem to have a whole lot to talk about. Here's a Miami team under a little pressure that plays, what, three of their first five on the road and potentially four of those five opponents are possible playoff teams. This sure. doesn't seem very kind to those fans uh, of the – teal down there in Miami. No, for sure. Uh, if they can get through that stretch at two and three, uh, I think they have a decent chance of making the playoffs, but one and four, and it could be disaster down here. So yeah, the entire season will be uh, could be over by the time we get to October, and that's a scary thought. Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald, our guest. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate your take today. All the best. Adam Beasley, again, our guest on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue after these messages. The second annual Saints Back to Football Run presented by Chevron will be held on Saturday, August 31st. The 5K race benefiting Team Gleason, the One Fund Boston, and the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation will include an NFL Play 61-mile fun run for kids. Participants of all abilities will have the opportunity to race through the streets of downtown New Orleans towards the finish line at the 50-yard line of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Gumbo and Sir Saint, along with the Saint Stations, will be on hand to cheer on participants. And a post-race party with live entertainment and a beer garden will take place in Champion Square. All participants will receive a Saints Back to Football Run shirt, a commemorative finisher's medal, and an NFL-approved bag. Registration is now open at nflrunseries.com slash saints. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org.
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Of course, we're still looking forward to the end of the preseason and the Miami game coming up. And as we do so, we're still checking in with guys as we get close to the end of the preseason and start to the regular season. And that means we get a chance to talk to a guy who's really, quite frankly, had a great camp, and that's Kyrie Robinson, rookie out of West Texas A&M. First of all, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I have to start by asking, and this is just this is on me that I don't know. Where in the heck is West Texas A&M? Uh, pleasure to meet you too, man. But uh, West Texas A&M is like located about an hour away from uh, Lubbock, Texas. So that's like at the top of Texas. So you, you know, that's almost outside of Texas. So it's probably the furthest you can get. Either Corpus Christi is at the bottom there, Amarillo is at the top, but it's located in Canyon. So okay, well I've been to Lubbock. Yeah. And, and if it's outside of Lubbock, that means there must be. <laughs> Nothing. Well, what, what other than play football? What did you do? Play football. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was like, anything else. It was just what dirt and cows out there. So nothing else to do out there but play football and go to school too. Home is where? Uh, Temple, Texas. Okay, so a little more civilized than West Texas A&M. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. whole lot civilized. I mean, it's it's a lot more to do out there than yeah. it is in West Texas. So far, so good for you. At least, at least from what I've been watching in camp, have you felt that way to yourself? Oh, I mean, I, I feel like I, I've been doing pretty good. I made a few mistakes early on in camp and then, you know, a few in and out of camp. But I've just been trying to stay focused, you know, and just take every day as a part of the day, you know, make it out of making it out of camp, period. Out of another day is, is a blessing. So, I mean, I just try to take it one day at a time. Big school guys, big name guys, they all are the ones that we know about, either whether it be going into the draft or going into a preseason. Guys like you that have had to make your name on a smaller stage, we don't know a whole lot about, but yet this organization seems to find a way to get those guys ready for the NFL. Have you have you felt something about this organization that that lends to the theory that they can find that small school guy or that unknown to to make it to the league? Well, I mean, if you if you got talent, I feel like any team will find you. But it, it seems like the Saints have you know a good deal with, with picking up guys that you know didn't come from a big school or the name is not really out there just basically give them a chance you know probably like a second chance but because I, I know there's a bunch of athletes out there that, that are that can be at this next level but you know they don't get that shot or get that look so yeah I think the Saints are pretty good at that and I appreciate the opportunity. Do you feel like or has it hit you yet that you you might be on the brink of a career in the NFL here? Uh, no, nah, it, it, it hasn't hit me yet, but I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, stay focused and stay positive and then everything else is going to work out. As the days wind closer to this weekend, and are you anxious at all? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I would say a little anxious. I'm more ready than anxious, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to, you know, do my best, like I said, and just go out there and give 110% and then go from there. There are different ways to look at the fourth preseason game. Of course, we're going to hear hear that the, the regulars aren't going to play a whole lot, that, you know, because the Saints play the Dolphins in the regular season, they're, it'll stay pretty basic. But then there's a then there's a group of players in this league or in these camps like yourself that that's still one more chance to show why they should be on an NFL roster. So help us see the other side of what we don't hear about all the time. Well, I mean, basically, I guess, I'm guessing this last game is just, you know, just a, a last impression for you, you know what I mean, just to show them why you should be on this team or, or how you can contribute to this team and help them win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to just take this game, you know, as play, play like it's my last game, like every other game is, you know. So I'm going to just try to go out there and go hard and, you know, and everything else take care of itself. That, that must be the secret because I'm always curious that, that balance, and it's not just football, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's anything, that balance between how do you play free and easy, loose, and yet, how do you take advantage of every snap that you're given? 
Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mixture of both. You know, you got to get your technique down, but also you got to be have a little confidence out there and feel like, you know, you belong out there. You can't be too stiff out there. You know, you might be – the minute you take a, a second of thinking, that's when you're wrong, you know what I mean? So you got to be straightforward 100 miles per hour, you know, right then and there. All right, so give me uh, give me the strength that you think that you've been able to show the Saints here. Is it is it a running back with hands? Is it a – a cutback runner? Is it a, a hard hitter? How would you classify yourself? I mean, I just, just give great effort every play, you know, whether it's special teams or whether it's running or, you know, pass protection. I just try to give good effort, you know, like I want somebody else. If I was running the ball, if they was blocking for me, I want them to give 110%, so I'm going to do the same. What's it, what's it been like to be around some guys like Mark Ingram and, and Pierre Thomas that have now, now, especially Pierre, have really established themselves in this league? Well, actually, it's been a good it's been a good experience. You know, I get along with all the guys. You know, they help me out a whole lot. But it, it's been a great experience. It's been a blessing. You know what I mean? Just to be around those guys and just to be around vets. Period. Anybody like that, Mark Ingram, Pierre Thomas. Actually, you know, just give me a motivation because Pierre was in the same situation. You know, and then playing with a Heisman Trophy with Mark Ingram, and then also Darren Sproles too. That's that's just you know, it's amazing to be around those guys, and I can learn a lot from those, which I do. You know, each and every day. So. It's been a blessing. Ever been to Miami? Never. What do you think about playing there on Thursday night? Hey, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I know it's a business trip, but yeah. still, Miami, baby. Yeah, I, yeah, it's Miami, but I'm ready for the game, though. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the visit. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Kyrie Robinson, running back for the New Orleans Saints, and we'll be right back after these messages on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning Black and Gold Saints tickets in our second-chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. What do you say to someone whose heart is on the line? That at Auctioner, an entire team of experts will collaborate to develop the best treatment for you? That we have procedures so revolutionary they aren't available anywhere else in the region, including breakthrough ways to more effectively manage heart failure and repair heart valves? That U.S. News & World Report ranks Auctioner Medical Center's heart program among the nation's very best? Or that with over 170 heart experts and seven hospitals to choose from, the exceptional cardiac care you need is always close to home? Actually, the most important thing to say is... Your results are back. Everything looks great. Better outcomes. Just one more reason to choose Auctioner. To find a heart specialist near you, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win. But here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our conversation this week about college football continues, and maybe even uh, at a more intellectual turn here. And we're 
very pleased to have Richard Sandemir from the New York Times with us today. Uh, if you're not aware, the New York Times and Richard Sandemir, along with a, in a collaboration with two others, James Andrew Miller and Steve Etter, have put together a fantastic three-part series regarding ESPN's influence, not only over the world of sports, but specifically how it's influencing college football and college athletics at this time. And at this time, we welcome in Richard and Congratulations. Thank you, Sean. Thank you uh, and congratulations, Richard, on a fine piece of work. This is really, really good stuff. Not that I would expect anything else from you in the New York Times. Well, it's a lot of hard work, but we're glad it turned out as well as it did. The, uh, the headline of, of the first part of the series is College Football's Most Dominant Player, it's ESPN. And you guys lay out an argument that makes it quite clear that ESPN basically, it seems, is running the modern college football era right now. Well, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to understand that uh, because it hasn't had many competitors over its 34-year history, it's not a surprise that they took advantage of what essentially was a vacuum to uh, get the rights to nearly every uh, conference that's relevant to them. And over the years, uh, certainly when they only had two networks, they, there was this feeding frenzy to get the exposure, for colleges to get exposure on these networks. This is exposure they never got before, but then as, as more and more conferences wanted to get in on the, on the games, on, on, the, on the game times, uh, ESPN spread the, uh, expanded the schedule to every, almost every other weeknight, and that created even more of a feeding frenzy. But ESPN, it, 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 in a way, we were kind of um, proving what, people, what a lot of people assumed, that uh, that they, like other networks, have can choose games between six and twelve days before game time. Uh, it's just that the other networks that have those rights don't have as many rights as, as ESPN does. So it's it's I, I think we proved by showing you know how ESPN kind of uh, midwives games years in advance how. It's their own software where you know colleges uh, you know check in to see what games are available, and it's this guy Elon, their chief scheduler, who you know keeps tabs on all of this at all times, and they have a bunch of kind of middlemen who uh, talk to colleges and say, you know, there's a spot open against this college three years from now, and it'd be a good it'd be a good combination for the two of you. So you know, it's it's a fascinating world when you have so many rights. I guess Richard, I come from the point of view that. I believe that college football is not the altruistic endeavor uh, that they would love to make themselves out to be, that it truly has changed and it is a money-making machine. So from that point of view, though, I guess I find myself torn. I, I don't think that this is an all a bad thing, having ESPN um, be such a benefactor for college football, but yet I do worry a little bit. I well, you know, there are plenty of reasons to worry about college football or college sports in general, and we, we see this whole thing with uh, Johnny Manziel and, uh, and all the various things that NCAA has investigated, whether they've done that well or not, is, is, is not for me to decide. But, uh, you know, when you have so many rights, uh, you're going to wonder, you know, who's in control. And, you know, uh, they have nearly all the, they carry nearly all the bowl games, but I don't think a lot of people knew that they own nine bowl games. They own them, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, and, you know, you, you know, as the amount of bowl games has increased, uh, I think in my time covering TV sports, it's, it was 15 at one point, now there are 35 games, I think it might be even more by now, and, you know, other networks used to have bowl games, and, you know, I think they have 33 of the 35 between ABC and all the ESPN entities, so 
it's an astonishing kind of collection that they've built in a way, in, in some ways, without a whole lot of competition until recently. And the competition, you can see, you know, they share uh, Pac-12 uh, and, and Big 12 rights with, with Fox. And Fox now is, you know, has, has, is in a way following the ESPN model, but they have a lot of, uh, a lot of catching up to do. Richard Sandemir from the New York Times, our guest. Richard, this may already be happening, but when I read work like you've done here and have some feeling of how it works at the ground level, one can't help but think but wonder if athletic departments shouldn't have their own lobbyist, if you will, <laughs> toward Bristol. Uh, you know, whether you want to give it in relation to a corporation with regard to government work, it seems to me that now it could almost be justified to have a position as a lobbyist for ESPN. Well, uh, I don't know about that. You know, you'd think that the athletic directors and the, and, the, and the conference commissioners would be the lobbyists who who are all, you know, who are, who are in essence saying, well, you should choose our game. You should, you know, they, they do what lobbyists do uh, if you want to make that comparison and function. But, uh, you, you know, ESPN pays money for the rights, sometimes billions of dollars, sometimes just a few million. But they have the contracts give them the right to do these things. So, uh, you know, they, for years they tried to get the Pac-10 when it was still 10 to, uh, to do, uh, you know, nighttime games. And they've only in recent years reluctantly agreed, okay, we have new, uh, you know, Larry Scott's now the commissioner, and they're doing it more and more because they realize they have to be in that mix. You know, the early pitch to colleges to try to do Thursday nights, which was the first breakthrough, was you will have the college football world to yourself. You won't be crowded onto a stage with you know all these games that play on Saturday afternoons, and then that that pitch expanded and expanded and expanded to, to the various days of the week where they obviously have regular primetime competition, but the world of college sports is looking at those games. So you know they they've been. Uh, I don't think anybody should blame them for in a way make, taking advantage, capitalizing on all the rights they have to position all the games for the time frames that they that they feel are best suited for ESPN um, that's as a rights holder that's what they do these uh, midweek games they've benefited schools like Louisville Boise State I could probably make a, a good mm -hmm. a good list that would get toward a dozen are there schools who want to get in on this but are unable to is there a have and a have not in this situation or is it an equal opportunity um, well, you, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a list of those schools, but sure, I, there, there are always going to be haves and have-nots when you have as many schools, uh, you know, vying for that. You, 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 you have to be playing pretty well, or you have to have some sort of promise that you have uh, a great team or, 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 or a rising team. You know, uh, they're not going to put a, you know, a clunker in 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, or similar times during the week, they want good games, and you know, as we showed, uh, you know, uh, to an extent, they will try to match make those games. They, they don't match make every one, every one of them, but these alternate night games are these games are decided well in advance of the season, uh, not uh, not in the six to twelve day uh, time period. So you know, they're t they're making a bet that these teams will be these teams will, will create good matchups. So you know, you you, you want to be a good team, a good team on the rise, uh, in order for ESPN to notice you and and put you in a prime time spot. This, these are important slots 
for colleges to reach alumni, you know, uh, you know, recruits and their fans across the country. Uh, you know, one thing we didn't get into a lot of in the, in the story is how ESPN3 has transformed things to the point where, you know, you have a broadband network that uh, has unlimited uh, space as opposed to a 24-7 uh, linear network. And a lot of, there are some schools who are actually paying to produce to be on ESPN3, whether it's football or, or other sports that don't get noticed. Uh, years ago, uh, two years ago, uh, when after VCU went to the Final Four, uh, the athletic department of VCU said, hey, seven of our games next year aren't going to be on any ESPN TV network. Let's get it on ESPN3. So they spent like three or $4,000 a game to produce and transmit and you know, they they were they had a, had national exposure. ESPN three is is a great place to add national exposure, and ESPN is is really really pumping that to the colleges now. Well, even the individual teams, the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball are now exploring their own broadband possibilities. It's pretty pretty fascinating when you really think about it. Yeah, but but certainly, you know, individual pro sports don't have as many teams uh, to satisfy for 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 a network to satisfy with exposure. Uh, and you could say baseball is really overexposed because of all the local, between the locals and all the national packages, but you get, you know, uh, all the college basketball uh, schools, all the college football schools, all the conferences. It's a lot of games, a lot of schools and a lot of games that, you know, certainly back when they ESPN, just had ESPN and 1 and 2, they, uh, they didn't have room for everything, and even after ESPN U started in 05, they didn't have room for everything. ESPN3 has really, really opened things up. Now you get all sorts of pro and uh, college and international games there. Uh, you know, they spread out Wimbledon on there, so you, know, you, you, you can see more than you've ever seen before. It's a great, it's, ESPN has routinely been ahead of its competition in technology, among other things. Richard Sandemir from the New York Times with us uh, here. He has collaborated with James Andrew Miller and Steve Vetter on this uh, three-part series, which I find totally fascinating. Sometimes, uh, uh, Richard, when you get into a, an, an in-depth, long-term piece like this, it can take you different directions. Now that it's all said and done and in print, um, what was your or maybe the group's takeaway from this work? What, what do you leave the work with and, and move forward with? We leave the work with... <laughs> Knowing how much we left on the cutting room floor and how many other stories we'd like to do, uh, but you're right. You know, in 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 the course of a year, uh, our focus changed. You know, we 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 were always looking for the best possible story, the best way to understand ESPN's power and influence, and the information seemed to be, you know, taking us towards towards college football. Although part three is only partly about college football, it's more about how ESPN has protected itself in Washington, and uh, and how it's uh, you know how if anybody remembers back in '04 when the FCC chairman Michael Powell uh, was a guest on, on on halftime talking about the conversion to digital TV. Well, there's a reason behind that kind of incongruous 90-second interview with Michelle Tafoya. He was there because. Uh, the FCC was in the throes of deciding whether it would uh, have a report about uh, favoring or against a la carte, uh, uh, in a la carte cable. And uh, it turns out a month after that uh, appearance, the FCC came out with a report against a la carte saying it would cut the diversity of channels and it would uh, raise costs. So, um, you know, ESPN and, you know, with its owner Disney, plays the Washington game as, you know, as well as virtually any company that you that you would assume has a big lobby the big pharma big uh, big tobacco but i don't think i don't think readers or fans generally think of espn as having a lobbying operation well they yeah, through disney they certainly do 
Richard Sandemir from the New York Times, our guest. And uh, if you are a fan or take interest in the business of sports, we highly recommend uh, this series to uh, to you, our listeners. So Richard, thank you very much. I know that you've been very busy, and I appreciate you giving us uh, even more insight in the background of this three-part series. And uh, wish you all the best as we start the college football season tomorrow night. Thanks. A pleasure. Thanks for calling to talk to me. Absolutely. Richard Sandemir, our guest, and we'll continue with more on the Black and Blue Report after these messages. Somewhere in a town like the one you're in, there is a person like you headed to a store to buy Bud Light. However, these Bud Lights give you a chance to win prizes that are best described as music firsts, like Monster DNA headphones, access to tracks and merchandise from today's hottest artists, and even tickets to one of Bud Light Music First's history-making 5051 concerts on August 1st. But before people like you can win, they need to head to a place where Bud Light is sold. It's finally here, Bud Light Music First. Enter the code inside specially marked packages of Bud Light for your chance to win one of over 500,000 music prizes all summer long. Visit BudLight.com slash Music First for rules and more information. Bud Light Music First. It's the sound of history being made. Here we go. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 and over. Ends 8-15-13. Play without purchase. Mail your name, email address, and age to Music First Game. P.O. Box 753-726, El Paso, Texas, 88575. Void where prohibited. Enjoy responsibly. A.B. St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans has been exciting with all-star Drew Holiday and former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans being added to a lineup headlined by Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson. Now, with the release of half-season and 12-game plans at varying price levels, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $13 per game and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. Good stuff today. I want to thank Richard Sandemir from the New York Times, uh, Kyrie Robinson, of course, and Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald for their efforts regarding today's program. And, of course, producer Dan and putting this all together for you here this Wednesday. Um, That's going to do it for us. The Saints are going through a walkthrough today. It is closed, so no access. And then we're off to Miami this afternoon, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll be on the sidelines for tomorrow night's uh, television broadcast on Cox Sports Television and WVUE. That's Fox 8 locally in New Orleans. Of course, radio coverage, too, on the New Orleans Saints radio network and all kinds of coverage, pregame, in-game, and postgame on NewOrleansSaints.com. John DeShazer, myself, and a host of others will have that for you, try and enhance your uh, your viewership and uh, intake of the football game tomorrow night as best we can. Uh, tomorrow's show, scheduled to appear, Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. be interesting to hear from Coach, especially with what he's doing over in Africa with Basketball Without Borders this week. And uh, we'll have shows to take you through Friday as well. We'll have a... Uh, a wrap-up of the uh, Thursday night preseason game on Friday 
uh, on here on the Black and Blue Report, too. So, again, thanks to our guests today. Thanks to you for listening. A couple of you got back to me yesterday about how you're getting the show, whether it be uh, through the uh, New Orleans Saints app or on iTunes or on the desktop. Keep those coming, won't you? We're trying to find those best avenues for you. And for the moment, we're going to continue our noon launch time each day of the show as opposed to 1 Central, noon Central, because many of you have asked for it for your lunch hour. So we'll continue to do that as well. Don't forget, at Black Blue Report is one Twitter handle to use. The other is at Sean Kelly Live. And until um, tomorrow, where Rob Nice will be your host, I'm Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.